And welcome everybody to the Fantasy Savvy Podcast, special edition once again for the NCAA Tournament. This is our third edition as we break down the Sweet 16. Also give uh, a little insight at the end on the Elite Eight based off our Sweet 16 picks. Jordan joins me once again. You can find him at JTM Basketball. Great, great knowledge players and the teams also does a little td2 shout out at the end so look out for that jtm basketball on twitter he's going to be dropping an article breaking down all the games for the sweet 16 fantasy savvy on twitter is my handle um disappointing picks for me in the ncaa tournament under 500 overall picking games um since about early february I'm probably about 500. You know, mostly did it for fun, but thought I'd do a little bit better than that. Hopefully, I'll do better next year. Hopefully, I can finish strong here. I'm actually doing better in the NBA. I think I'm going to go 4-0 in the NBA and go up about eight games over 500. So, check that out, Fantasy Savvy. Um, This will be our last. Well, we'll actually probably have one more podcast for the final four finals, of course. And then we'll take a little break. Then we'll do an NBA, uh, NFL draft. Uh, might even actually do an NBA draft too. But first NFL draft. And then we'll take a little bit of break over the summer. Maybe do an NBA draft podcast with Jordan as well. And then we'll get into the NFL season. So check that out. Fantasy Savvy on Twitter. FantasySavvy.com. Again, JTM Basketball is Jordan's handle. Hopefully you enjoy the episode. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job. We broke down every single game. So sit back, relax, enjoy as we have a handful of great games tomorrow, Saturday, and another set of great games on Sunday. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please share and uh, follow along. Thank you. Steve, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. Welcome to the show. As we kick off the third edition of the 2021 NCAA Tournament Fantasy Savvy with Jordan Tyler. Uh, As he joins me again, Chase will not be joining us tonight. Um, But we got uh, Jordan on the line. So we'll get in depth in all the eight upcoming matchups starting tomorrow. And then um, Sunday, we get into the Elite Eight on Monday and Tuesday. A little bit different this year. Instead of Thursday, Friday, normally the Sweet 16 would have started uh, yesterday, but um, this time we'll get it tomorrow, and then we'll finish up Monday and Tuesday. So Saturday's games, uh, actually, just just the preface real quick. If you guys weren't listening to the podcast last week, uh, we did pick some pretty good upsets. We picked Oral Roberts. We picked Abilene Christian. Uh, Jordan had Loyola beating Illinois, which was huge. Um, so pretty good insight here. Uh, these games, I mean, some of these games are tough to pick, but we'll try to break it down as best as we can and give you our pick and uh, a revamped Final Four, Elite Eight Final Four and uh, champion. But I think the champion still should be the same, uh, but we'll see what we got. All right, Jordan, so – I know that you're working on a. I know last week you did a before the opening round or 
um, and second round, you did a you did a breakdown of all the matchups, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I uh, broke down all the matchups before the first round and the second round games. Um, yeah, just just lead in a lead up to them, just based on my bracket, and then what, I guess a lot of what we had talked about on the podcast. Okay, and are you doing that again for the Sweet Sixteen? Or no? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm working on uh the Sweet Sixteen um right up right now. Um, so I, okay, I already okay. kind of have an idea of what what uh what I think is gonna happen. All right, awesome, awesome. Can't wait to read that. Just drop your uh, Twitter handle and tell people with the site where they can find that information. Sure, it's at JTM Basketball on Twitter. Okay, and yeah, I'll retweet that on Fantasy Savvy on Twitter. Um, as and uh, the first article he wrote was really good, so I definitely want to check that out. All right, first game Saturday, two forty, Oregon State against Loyola. Um, this is a uh, you know Oregon's coming in, winning the Pac twelve tournament. They were picked last. Uh, Finished last in the Pac-12. They beat a def- defensive, uh, offensive lacking Tennessee team in the first round, seventy to fifty-six. Then uh, I was completely shocked how they beat Oklahoma State. Um, you know, I'll say it and I'll say it again. You know, you got Avery Anderson, you got Cade Cunningham, you got Khalid Boone. Those are your three best players, and Khalid Boone played about. I don't know, seven total minutes maybe in that game. The first half, he was in foul trouble. Then he came back in the second half, picked up his third foul within 15 minutes, with 15 minutes left, and didn't play another minute. So I don't know. I still don't know what happened. Nobody even asked the question. I haven't heard anybody even talk about it. I don't know what happened. It didn't really make any sense. But anyway, Oregon State, you know, they just they took every run that Oklahoma State got that was given to them. And they kept fighting. Ethan Thompson was hitting big shots. Um, you know, he led them. I think he had like 26 or 27 points in the game, something like that. But he's been huge. You know, they're on a roll right now. I mean, they, their last five games, they've beaten Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Tennessee, and now Oklahoma State. So now they come in and play a Loyola team that honestly, that was just a textbook fundamental performance against Illinois. The way they play defense, the way they switch, the way they you know, ran all those ball screens to perfection. Illinois wasn't just was not ready for that type of basketball. They controlled the game from start to finish. And now these two teams, uh, I guess sort of similar, would you say, in some ways, um, face off as the first game of the Sweet 16. Uh, Loyola is actually went up from, I think they were favored by six, six and a half. And it is now seven. And the over-under is 125. So, I guess just give me your insight on this game. Um, and, you know, like I was saying, do you, do you think these two teams are somewhat similar in style? Um, if not, you know, you know, pick your winner, pick some things to look at, some players to look at. Go ahead. Sure, sure. So I, I think uh, to start, so I, I didn't expect Oregon State to come this far. I thought – um, even though they ran through the Pac-12 tournament, I didn't really think that it was kind of a sustainable thing, but they've been shooting lights out down the stretch. Um, they got Jared Lucas and Ethan Thompson really playing extremely, extremely well. Um, Ethan Thompson in particular has, has been super critical. When Oklahoma State was making that giant run, Thompson really charged back. And I think 
his three-point play was really what uh, shifted the momentum back in Oregon State's favor. Um, the one thing about Oregon State, and I've been listening to a lot of different people talk about the Pac-12 and I guess explaining away why the Pac has been doing so well in this tournament. And the interesting thing is that most of these teams weren't allowed to practice in the same way over the summer. Uh, and that's been a critical piece for why a lot of these teams are emerging late and we're not, we didn't really expect that coming in. So a lot of the teams weren't able to practice until September. I, I, I heard Mick Cronin uh, get on a podcast and talk about that just this week. Um, so that's, that's kind of a big reason why these teams are form, forming late and really doing so well. Oregon State is in the same kind of mold. And the thing about Oregon State is that a lot of their players um, were top JUCO players, so a lot of guys in the rotation. And uh, if you follow junior college players, they usually take like to the end of their first year when they're transferring from junior college. It takes to the end of their first year for them to really kind of develop and really get in the flow of things. So it, it looking looking back on it retrospectively, it makes sense that Oregon State's coming on now. Um, in terms of the matchup itself, I'm a little bit nervous actually for Loyola because they're going to be dealing with a lot more size this time around against Oregon State. I know Kofi is huge, but like what happened with Kofi is that they didn't um, adjust to the ball screens at all, and they didn't they didn't play small ball. So the Illinois coach didn't didn't go to small ball until late in the game, and at that point it was kind of too late. Um, Oregon State. They have either size inside to possibly get um, Crutwig in foul trouble. So they could go with this guy, Kalu, who had a pretty good game uh, last week, or Roman Silva. And both right. those guys. Yeah, Silva, both those guys. Silva's 7 1. And Kalu, he, I mean, he was shooting way above his average, but he was making some big shots for sure. He's 6 10. So, like you said, good size there. Exactly. So they could get Crutwig in foul trouble too, just like the risk that everyone expected. Crutwick to get in foul trouble against Kofi, but he didn't, which which was critical for Loyola's win. The same thing could happen against Oregon State um, if they if they're just more intelligent about it, um, and if they really need to make that adjustment, I I assume that they're going to make uh, not fall into the same trap Illinois did, and, and they could go with completely small with a and play a small ball lineup with Ethan Thompson. Um, and they might actually be more effective than Illinois, who had a bunch of small guards, um, versus Oregon State's. They're a little bit bigger on their guards. Right. So seven point spread sounds like you think Oregon State's going to keep this game pretty close. I think they're going to keep it close. I think this is going to be really, um, really a tight game. Uh, I anticipate Loyola is going to end up pulling it out just because I think that their defense is like one of the top in the country and. I just I think that they'll probably shoot the ball better. Um, I just I just I just think that they're probably a, a better defensive team than uh, what Oregon State's used to seeing. I think Oklahoma State is a bit sloppy with the ball. They're not going to get that with Loyola. So this right. team's going to come in and, and play methodical basketball. Right. And Oklahoma State really wasn't a good defensive team either. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I think Loyola's defense was just. To me, it was just unbelievable. I mean, uh, against Illinois, I just thought it was it was it was absolutely uh, awesome to watch. And I feel like you know they're going to match up with these guys pretty good. I understand what you're saying about the size, but 
I think they'll be able to get it to Thompson and some of these other guys and do a pretty good job defensively. Um, maybe they'll struggle a little bit more on the offensive end uh, than they did against Illinois. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know about the seven. It's a tough game to pick. I could definitely see Oregon State keeping it close, but I think if I had to pick a team against the spread, I think I would take Loyola just because of their defense and the way they play. And like you said, I don't think Oregon State's uh, going to be completely ready for that type of style. We'll see. It's a tough. It's a tough style to match up against. I think uh, Williamson was always like one of the top defensive players, and I think they've they've always as a team like this whole year they've really locked in. And if you really look at like some of their games, they didn't really play much of anyone, right? Except early in the season against Wisconsin, and what was like a bad matchup for them because Wisconsin's bigs shot very well. Um, they, they just defended all, all year. And I, I think against Drake, um, while they didn't play Drake with their best player, like most, like the first game was a blowout. The second game was close, but Drake really kind of just luck, lucked down into that win. Um, right. It, so anyone who's paying attention, that team was just like, they were locked in the entire season on defense. So, um, right, and Nars Nars is a good defender too. Yeah, and he can shoot it. Right, um, the over under is one twenty five. Um, how do you see that? You think that's going to go under or over? I think it'll go over one twenty five. If I had to guess. Okay, so you think I'm- both teams both teams will probably get about mid sixties, something like that. I mean, I think Oregon State, in order to win this game or even come close, they're going to try to probably push the tempo a little bit more. Like, if they're playing completely in the half court, that plays into what Loyola is trying to do. Right. Um, right. Okay, yeah, and both teams shoot about – well, Loyola shoots 36% from three. Uh, Oregon State, 35%. Both pretty solid from the free throw line. Oregon State a little bit better at 75. Loyola at 72 Rebounding margin is pretty much even at 32, 33. Um, turnovers about 11 apiece, and they both average about the same. I mean, Oregon State averages 70 or 71, and, and Loyola averages 71 and a half. So this is, uh, you know, looking at the numbers, pretty even. Um, this should, you know, to start it off, it's going to be a nice game to watch for sure. Um all right, any last thoughts on this game, or you want to get to the next one? Yeah, just the next one. I mean, it's not much else to say more than that. I think it'll be pretty close. Okay. All right, next game is your boys, Villanova. Uh, actually, the, the only other thing I wanted – I was trying to find out, and I wish I would have tracked this better, was um, the arenas they're playing in. I don't know if this they're playing – this first game's in the banker's life – Fieldhouse. I don't know if these two teams have played in this arena yet, um, but that definitely is a factor. I mean, if they've if they're coming into a new arena, um, you know, it's going to be new setting could affect the offense. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if they've already played in this this arena, then they're going to be more comfortable. So, um, I was trying to look that up. I couldn't find it off the top. So, um, that's just something to to check out for sure. Um, Nova and Baylor are going to be playing in Hinkle Fieldhouse. Baylor's favored by seven and a half. The total is one forty-one and a half. Um, Nova, you know, everybody was down on them with the uh-huh. loss of Gillespie. They 
overcame that. And, uh, you know, Jay Wright got them ready for the tournament. They defeated Winthrop 73-63 to and then totally dismantled uh, North Texas, beating them 84-61. to Baylor took care of Hartford in the first round, 79-55. And then, you know, it was a pretty – Pretty good game between Baylor and Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I mean, me and you agree we were talking about it, that Wisconsin played a really good game. It's just that Baylor was getting into them defensively and Baylor was making their shots. But, you know, Wisconsin had a pretty good tournament, um, beating North Carolina, I mean, destroying North Carolina basically um, by 23. And they played Baylor pretty tough. It's just that Baylor was just, you know, too much for them in the end, winning by 13. So now Nova comes in against Baylor. I mean, how do you see this game being a Villanova fan? And, uh, you know, obviously this is a tough task for them. But uh, do you think they can keep this one close? Or do you think Baylor is just going to be a little too much for them? So, yeah, Steve, so I'm kind of mixed on this one because uh, this is definitely the best that Villanova's played kind of all year. Uh, I mean, in lieu of Collins' absence, obviously. So, they, they just shot lights out against North Texas. It was a very surprising performance for most people, even me. Like I, I expected them kind of to, to make it past North Texas, but I, I had no idea that they were going to shoot that well and run their offense that effectively. I thought that Hamlet would have given the uh, Antoine and, and Baby Arch a little bit more issues. Um, but, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that this is a totally different story, though, with Baylor. I think that Baylor has – definitely proven themselves and proven to be one of the most formidable defensive teams in college basketball. And I think Davion Mitchell's definitely gives um, new point guards. So, so these guys, baby arch and Antoine have only been playing the last five games, the rest of the season, they sat on the bench. So since um, Collins injury, this is the first time that they ever got any playing time at all. And they've performed super well. The issue is they haven't seen anything like Baylor. And I, I don't think they've seen anything like Davion Mitchell. In terms of his on-ball defense, I think it's just going to be super, super critical um, if they can just bring the ball up the court and then get into their offense. If they can do that, if they can uh, sort of run their sets and, and they're shooting lights out like they did last game, it's going to be a close one. I don't think that they can do that again against Baylor. I I don't see it. Um, I, I think it. Should it should, Baylor should win that game pretty handedly, but uh, anything's possible if Villanova shoots the way that they did last game. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It seemed like Baylor kind of turned up their defense a little bit, um, getting more so back to the way they were pre-COVID. Um, and if they can get into those Villanova shooters, because, you know, Villanova, they could definitely get hot from three. That could definitely give them some issues. I mean, we saw Baylor lose to Oklahoma State in the semis, and basically that's what Oklahoma State was doing. They were banging a bunch of shots. So, I mean, Nova could do similar. Um, how, how do you think Jay, How do you think Robinson Earl matches up in this game against the Baylor defenders? What kind of game do you think he's going to have? I mean, his game is going to be super important. I think that he will probably struggle a little bit. I think against Vital, I think Vital is just super aggressive. And uh, Chachua is also super good defensively. So I think he'll kind of struggle. And I, I think having watched them 
when they've lost. And if you look at the game against St. John's, they just turned the ball over and they had a lot of strips from Robinson Earl. That was like, because and Baylor's hands are excellent. So that's an underrated factor. Mm-hmm. Like teams with really good hands. St. John's has really good hands and they re- turned Villanova over. Villanova, if you look at it, they're one of the le- the least turnover prone teams. So if you can you match up against a team that turns you over, that's really like uh, the death knell for Villanova. I feel like it, at least this this program. Um, the difference is if Villanova doesn't get the ball turned over from them, then it's going to be hard to beat them um, because they, unlike Oklahoma State, they're they generally control the ball pretty well. And you have to expect that they're going to play their slow, their pace, their paced game. And they only take good shots. Unlike Oklahoma state, everything, everything's going to be within the flow of the offense. It's going to be an open shot. Um, and that's something I don't think Baylor actually has seen anything with any team with Villanova style before. Um, I think Villanova plays a very unique style. So it could, it could be challenging for them if they're not immediately turning Villanova over. Um, because of the absence of Colin. Uh, Baylor actually has the third most steals in the tournament. Um, right now they have 21 steals. Um, Oral Roberts actually leads the pack with 22, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know Nova is not really a team that's going to turn you over, right? They're not like a – Well, I think – They don't really get many turnovers. I right? think they can. I mean, I think they did a little bit against Winthrop. Um, they have they have good hands for sure. It's it's more so that I mean they play pretty sound positional defense. It, I think that they they're very good, actually very good and underrated defensively. I think it's just a question of I think on the interior they aren't. So honestly, they match up with Baylor in that sense. Like Baylor is not, doesn't really bring the the offensive punch on the inside, and Villanova is kind of weak there defending on the inside. So it really depends. If, if Butler and Mitchell are getting to the rim pretty easily, Villanova's going to kind of struggle with their rotations. Um, but they right. don't really have that big man that really pounds it in. Like Vital's a, a kind of non-factor on offense. And Mayer, he, he's great, but he, he's a, um, more of a stretch guy. Right, right. Unless, you know – they start throwing those alley oops to float Damba. <laughs> <laughs> you could definitely slam slam a couple of those down. Yeah. And to watch your cha cha, to watch your cha cha and cha. Chachua, yeah. I can't. can't <laughs> cha Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Don't even try it. <laughs> I know. I was. I, I got to try to spell it for. But uh, yeah, no, he's a good player. He really see. He, you know, they they definitely try for those alley oops, man. It's it's uh. So I'm sure we'll see a couple of them. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at this game, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much for Nova. I like the way Baylor's playing. But um, Nova could definitely, uh, like you said, they, they have a great shot selection. They move the ball around well. And if they're hitting those shots and Baylor's not making those shots early on, which is kind of rare for Baylor because, you know, they shoot like 42% from three <laughs> and everybody just bangs, bangs threes left and right. Um, they just bring so many different guys at you, and you know if Meyer's playing well, that's just you know, and he, and he's you know he's been really playing well um, the last month or so. So um, yeah, I just think Baylor. If I had to take a side in this game with the seven and a half, I think I would lean Baylor. Um, the total is one forty two, and I think I like that over as well. What do you? I think? agree. I think the over on that. I would take the over on that. 
I think at the very least, Baylor's going to score a lot. Very worst case. Right. Right. I could see Baylor scoring 80 to 85. And then Nova should definitely get into the mid 60s, 70s, I would think. So, okay. Next game. Uh, Oral Roberts against Arkansas. And like I was mentioning, you know, we had picked Oral Roberts uh, over Ohio State. Um, I wish I would have been bold enough to pick them in the Sweet 16. Uh, my wife actually has them in the Final Four. <laughs> so she, she might be one of the few in America that has that. So maybe she's got an advantage if they can keep making it, uh, you know, uh, advancing here. But uh, these two teams actually played earlier in the season. Um, I was looking at the box score. I saw that Oral Roberts was actually up, I think, like at like nine or eleven at one point. Um, and but in the second half, Arkansas scored fifty-seven points. Um, they took, they yeah, they basically took control, and um, and they went out to win. I think by twelve, um, twelve or thirteen in that game. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting that they played before. I mean. You know, this is going to be an up-and-down game. Or Roberts just wants to throw up a bunch of threes. You know, uh, O'Banner's been, uh, I mean, just unbelievable, making big shot after big shot. Abmus is like one of the quickest guards in the tournament, if not the quickest. Um, and they're just a great story right now, you know, beating Ohio State, beating Florida. So two tough teams. And I thought, you know, Florida played pretty well in that game. Or Roberts just just doesn't go away. They're just kind of a relentless team, and you know we saw that in their tournament. And like I was mentioning to you, I you know watching that conference tournament, the Summit League, playing San Diego State and even North Dakota, uh, I, I like those other teams too. So it seemed like they're coming from a pretty strong conference as well. So this team is completely legit. Uh, the question is now, um, can they get by Arkansas? The spread is eleven, and the over under is one fifty eight. So you know, 11-point spread, um, but they already faced a 16-point spread against Ohio State. They got past that, and I think they were like a 9 or 7 or 8 or 9-point dog against Florida, and they got past that. So, you know, it doesn't really seem to affect them. Um, do you see Oral Roberts winning this game, or you just think the, the slipper is going to – evaporate at this point <laughs> i think the glass slipper falls off in this game uh i just i think it's like a little little <laughs> bit too much man i just i, I i'm actually gonna root for oral roberts and I, I hope they win um but i just i think it's gonna be too much in this game i think that uh if you if you look at the last time they played uh smith had like 22 points 17 rebounds in that game and just dominated on the inside i think that Banner is not going to be enough to really stop him. I think that's that's really size kills, and I think that that's the case. If you actually if you look at Florida closely, so it's it's funny because Ohio State they they matched up Oral Roberts matched up incredibly well with these two major programs. Like if you look at Ohio State, like Waddell is extremely under, an undersized big. They didn't have Kyle Young because he was hurt. And then Florida, Florida's pretty undersized. Like their big is is kind of um, not like a super power, like a power play guy. He's more of um, a finesse player, and he shoots, he right. stretches it. So now now you're going up against Arkansas, who has like a, a legit big, and Moody's playing really well. Um, 
and trying to boost his NBA stock. So I don't know. I, that spread's pretty wide, though. I might, I might uh, go for Oral Roberts on the spread, but in terms of the actual outcome of the game, I, I, I'd venture to say I think it's going to be Arkansas pretty easily. Okay. Yeah, actually, the first the first matchup, Arkansas won by 11, 87 to 76. Um, yeah, I've, I mean, Oral Roberts, man, 82% from the free throw line, 39% from three. Um, I just want to see something here. I think they may have the most attempts. Too. Oh, they, they have um, to if they've been shooting like so many threes. I thought I was like laughing when they were playing Ohio State. It's just a joke. You're just <laughs> coming down, shoot a three. Come down. Yeah. Um, well, actually, they're not in the top 10 here. Really? But this is, this is the, this is, yeah, they're actually not. The, well, how many possessions do they have? They Maybe had fewer I, possessions. <laughs> Right, right. Regardless, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna toss up a bunch of threes, yeah. and it's gonna be Amos. I mean, that's a good combo they have with Amos and O'Banner. Um, but like I said, thirty-nine percent from three, they average eighty-one points a game. Uh, Arkansas is thirty-three percent from three, seventy-three percent from the free throw line. They average eighty-two points per game. Um, the rebound margin is a five differential in favor of Arkansas. So you're right. Maybe that will be the factor, like it was last time. Um, but I, you know, it, it seemed like it seems like Arkansas is kind of a second half team because, I mean, they even struggled um, in the tournament in their first round matchup too, right? Yeah, so, against Colgate, I think. Uh, and then they came back against Colgate and they came back and stormed back. So, and you saw that in the in the box score against Oral Roberts in the first match. I mean, they scored fifty seven points uh, in the second half. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. So, um, you know, it's going to be a ton of points. One fifty eight and a half. Um, I mean, would you would you lean over in that, or do you think that's that's a little too many points this time? Uh, honestly, I, I mean, I probably I, that's that's a lot of points <laughs> to score. I wouldn't be, I probably just would avoid that altogether. But I, I think it'll go over. Personally, I think I think it's going to be a lot of sloppy play from Arkansas, and I think they'll probably keep Oral Roberts in it for a stretch. But I think or Arkansas will probably pull ahead at the end. But 11 points, like I think that Oral Roberts is just shooting the ball too well for, for it to be 11 points. I think it'll be probably like six, seven. It'll be similar to the Illinois game, but I think they'll they'll get some late threes and kind of um, – or, 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 or Roberts is like uh, the football team with the, you know, good quarterback, shitty defense, and, you know, the spread is like 13 and um, – you know they come down, they come down that last drive of the game. They're just throwing the ball over the place and they end up getting that backdoor cover. And you can see that with Oral Roberts, you know, banging a couple threes at the end, getting covering that eleven. I mean, why why would you go against them at this point? You know, I mean, they're two for two. They're playing really good basketball. Um, they already played an eleven point game with Arkansas already. So, and it, you know, maybe maybe the bet game is to take Oral Roberts in the first half, just seeing how Arkansas seems like more of like a second half. That's team. probably really smart, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably like um, maybe six or seven, something like that. I have to look at that. Okay. Yeah. But I agree. I think, um, and in my survivor, I'm going to have to take Arkansas. You know, I, I think you'll be fine. Kind of I'm forced. You'll be fine. Yeah. And I think, I think most people are probably going to go that way too. 
Um, I just wish I had more than one pick. I, you know, I freaking screwed myself in some of those games last week. Got a little too bold <laughs> and uh, fell apart. But could I could have been in a really nice position. I mean, it started with 140 people. Now there's only 25 people left. Nice. Um, I could if I would have if I would have had like two or three picks. You know, I could have really diversified here. Now I got to basically pick everything right, which is crazy. It <laughs> makes some tough, tough, this tough, tough decisions. All right, last game on Saturday is the game I feel best about, actually, um, and it's the underdog, Syracuse against Houston. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I just think that, you know, Houston is not a great shooting team, um, and Syracuse's zone, they're just – you know, they're just doing it right now. They're playing good D. They're banging shots um, from everywhere. Um, they're getting good contributions. Buddy Bayheim is just getting his shot off on everybody. Uh, he's playing great basketball. And six and a half. I mean, I just think that spread is too high. And, I, you know, I'm going to lean even towards the Syracuse money line here. Um what do you think about this matchup? Uh, I, I'm kind of mixed on this. This is like a the, the biggest, like, I have no idea kind of matchup, toss-up, because it's such a style. It's going to be such a contrast. And Syracuse's zone seems to be working really well right now. I mean, just the way they played against West Virginia. I, like, I, I want to say that Houston's going to be better than West Virginia, but then I remember Culver. I mean, but, but at the same time, watching that game, Culver couldn't make a layup, a basic layup against Syracuse it was it was ridiculous um he yeah he looked he was he was lost he was in that terrible game. he didn't know what he was go, what was yeah, going he, kept, on. he missed like yeah. a, a ton of open layups they took him out in the second half i mean if it, if, it, if it wasn't for mcneil west virginia probably would have lost by like 15 he was he was hitting every three to bring him back i mean he's been doing that pretty much all year or you know since i've seen yeah. it. but he was huge in that game if it wasn't for him you know mcbride was making some big shots too it's really but, just um, those two. You know, McNeil was hitting. Yeah, and, and, you know, Syracuse has been shooting the ball great now for a while. I mean, they just beat up on a good San Diego State team, 78-62, uh, and they just beat a very good, my opinion, West Virginia team, 75-72. I didn't think they were going to win that game, and they did. Um, you know, Houston barely survived against Rutgers. Obviously, they blew out Cleveland State in the first round, which they're, you know, they always seem to abuse lesser teams. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like the spread is too much. I feel like this is a good pick with Syracuse. Yeah, per- personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put anything on this game because I, I'm like debating it in my head because I think Houston. Like, I wonder if they're going to struggle against the zone of Syracuse. Obviously, because they just watching how they played against Rutgers, they really struggled because I feel like Rutgers is a very similar team in terms of like personnel. They're just bigger. So I, I thought that Houston kind of was kind of facing a version of themselves that was just bigger, just didn't play as smart. Um, and now they're now, now they're going into a strange zone that I don't know that um, that they've seen anything like this um, during the season. And I feel like they're just they're not gonna. I don't I don't know if they're gonna be able to figure it out right away. What the one thing that makes me lean Houston's way. Uh, and why I'm probably going to go with them is is if you watched how Syracuse kind of imploded down the stretch against West Virginia and how they kept them in the game, they could not inbound the ball for like against good ball pressure. They couldn't inbound the ball for like the last couple of possessions of the game. And West Virginia really hung around on that. And Houston's great with their ball pressure. Um, and if, if, 
right. you look at it, Houston's one of the best defensive teams and they have really good quick hands. And another factor that we're not considering is the fact that Giroux had the hit pointer against Rutgers and he still came and played. But like you could tell he was hobbling. He had a week now to rest that hip. He's going to be a lot more effective this game than he was last game. And Sasser was just terrible against Rutgers. So it's it really just all in Grimes' hand. Um, and then Jerome made a few plays down the stretch. I think that they're going to rebound the ball actually better than West Virginia. I think those guys are smaller, but they're going to be a little bit more physical. And they're going to be looking to crash the glass off of any misses. Um, so if the key is going to be if Syracuse can rebound in the zone. Um, I, I think that Houston's going to get a lot of random putbacks. And it's going to be a very strange looking game where we're going to say like, why didn't, why did, why was West Virginia not able to do this against Syracuse? So I, I think Houston's going to really, I don't know that they'll shoot it very well, but I think they're going to get a lot of second chance opportunities and they're going to play it with a lot more confidence yeah. than they did against Rutgers. Yeah. Marks, Marks is a good player. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely pretty good around the rim. Fabian White's, uh, you know, he's pretty solid. So, I mean, they're, you know, like you said, they got length, they could defend. Um, I just wonder if they're going to be able to make those shots. I mean, they shoot 36%, so their percentage is actually pretty sound. They're just um, terrible last game. And if they are – right, and Sasser, I think, has been struggling for a little while now shooting the ball. Um I just think you know Syracuse. They're gonna they're gonna shoot it. They're gonna make their shots. Um, Gerard, he can make some. He could. He's got some range. Bayham's got range. He can pretty much shoot over anybody. Yep. I think. Um, he's just he's got good size. So I think even if Houston's making their shots in this game, um, and like West Virginia, I mean, you know, McNeil was banging threes left and right, and West Virginia, you know, Syracuse still was able to uh, you know fight against that that comeback and win the game, and this might be another thing where in the first half Houston maybe struggles with that zone and then in the second half gets a little more used to it too. So this might be another good first-half bet with Syracuse, but I like them I like them actually to win the game um, too. So, you know, I, I think the six-and-a-half is solid. I think it's a little too much. And, um, you know, I think we've seen Houston struggle in games like this um, – you know, these teams play these sorts of zones and they have to rely on their shooting. They're not be able to slash as much. So we'll see, man. I think that favors Syracuse. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be, it's going to be a solid game. The over under 141, um, that's a tough one. I really don't have a I'd good, go over. I'd go over it. Good, good gauge on that. I'd go over. Yeah, it always feels good to take, it, it always feels good to take the over. <laughs> I mean, especially, especially in this matchup. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I mean, they're going to shoot it. Syracuse is going to be shooting all game long. If, if it's going to be even close, then Houston's going to have to hit some shots, right? <laughs> no. When you, when you take the under, you might as well just do the dishes for like two hours and then come back. <laughs> just don't watch the game. <laughs> Hoping for no offense. Right? Just, <laughs> Go Nothing happened, please. Go to sleep. And <laughs> Oh man, taking the under is like freaking biting your fingernails. Oh man, um, <laughs> it's basically rooting for freaking clanks left <laughs> and right, slop and sloppy ass basketball. Um, all right, so yeah, that does it for the Saturday games. 
as we move into Sunday, um, the games start a little bit early. Let's see here. Yeah, a little bit earlier on Sunday, 210, Creighton Gonzaga. Uh, again, Hinkle Fieldhouse. Um, by the way, Syracuse Houston game will be in Hinkle. Oral Roberts, Arkansas, and Bankers. Uh, Villanova Baylor, like we said, in Hinkle and uh, Oregon State. Loyola Another factor is in Villanova Bankers. never plays well in Hinkle. <laughs> if you know anything about Villanova. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Okay. No, I didn't know that. Didn't know yeah. that. Okay. It's interesting. All right. So that, that's interesting. <laughs> um, Creighton Gonzaga will also be in Hinkle. Gonzaga getting uh, a double-digit favorite once again, 13. I actually took Oklahoma against them, and if it wasn't for um, Reeves, Reeves well, he was banging shots left and right. I mean, Oklahoma probably would have lost by 30. Um, you know, they played that game without Harmon. Uh, he just declared for the NBA draft, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. I, don't I missed know if you that saw one. That. Yeah. Yeah, so Creighton, you know, obviously solid team in the Big East for years now. Um, you know, another team that people were down on coming in as they got smoked by Georgetown. <laughs> um, they barely won against, um, you know, they, they, they basically just survived against UCAL Santa Barbara. Um, you know, the guy missed the tip in at yeah. the end, right? And uh, – but you know that's the way it's the way it goes. Sometimes, sometimes you know you watch tournaments in the past where teams barely survive, and then they go on to win the whole thing. And not to say Creighton is, but it kind of just propels teams. Sometimes they get that monkey off their chest, and that and they play in those close games. They go on, and they play much better later in the tournament. And we saw them pretty much take care of Ohio. Although it seemed like Ohio couldn't make a shot, but they did a good job on Preston. Um, they were switching on the, the ball screen. They were trying. They did a good job winning 72-58. So now they take on the Zags. Took, you know, destroyed Norfolk State. Beat up Oklahoma. 13-point um, spread. I thought the Zags looked really good against Oklahoma. Timmy was just, man, he was on his <sighs> A game, man. Playing at a very, very high level. Uh, Kispert really didn't have a big-time game. Uh, but he, you know, he banged his threes. Suggs looked really good. Uh, Ajay was playing well. Um, you know, just uh, this is going to be a tough team to beat. And if Timmy's playing like that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how they're going to lose. What do you I think? I mean, about you said game? the spread was eleven. Thirteen. I still think the over. I mean, <laughs> the Zags are just. You take, oh, the, Z take the Zags. Take the Zags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just. I think that the only way that Creighton even comes close is if they have a game like they did against Villanova where Ballack comes in and hits like seven, eight threes. That's, that's what they, that's what they, that's what they need. That's the only <laughs> way it's even remotely close. Like I think Timmy is going to feast inside against Bishop. It's just not, it's not a good matchup for them. They don't really have that interior threat, rim protecting threat to really, to, to really take the zags out of doing, a, like out of doing what they want to do. Um, I mean, Kispert's probably going to shoot it. I think Suggs will get in the paint more this game. I think they actually might have an easier time with this team than they did against Oklahoma. So I'm anticipating a blowout unless Ballack hits eight threes. That's really. 
I mean, I mean, Reeves had like thirty something points, man. I mean, I don't know what he did from three in that game, but he, he seemed like he, he wasn't missing. Out of mind. And you know, they, they, yeah, and they. So I mean, even if Ballard does that in this game, it's like Zach's just still going to get Thursday, like you said. So, um, I you know, I agree. I think I would, I think I would lead at Zaga. Um, I guess it's a, it's a big number. Um, you know, Craig can hit shots too. So, thirty-six uh, percent from three. They're not too good from the foul line though. Sixty-four uh, percent. About even rebounds between the Zags and them. They average seventy-seven a game. Turned over eleven times. Zags average ninety-two <laughs> a game. Twelve turnovers. Thirty-eight rebounds. Seventy-two percent from a line and thirty-six and a half from three. Um, what's what's yeah. up? What's I, th- up, I what's think up it's for close. ten Ohio Go and ahead, Santa, Santa Barbara or anything in in the even in the vicinity of of a Gonzaga, it's it's going to be like it's, <laughs> it's like right. they just went from the B League to like play, playing the Dream Team. That's that's basically where they're at. Um, so good, so good right. luck to them. But I think right. they're going to get run off the floor. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you on that. I'll. I'll uh... I'll, I'll sign with that. I'll sign with the Zags. Over under one fifty eight and a half. Um, probably going. I mean, to be I over, think right? the, the Zags are going to score ninety. So, do you think Creighton's going to score sixty? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I think I think Creighton yeah. gets seventy, and the Zags get like yeah. So, so I think that's. I mean, that's basically what the Oklahoma game was like eighty seven seventy one. That went over the total too. So, might as well. I mean, the Zags. Basically, three, four, five, the last nine games, seven of the last nine have went over, but Creighton's last four went under, (laughs) which is interesting. They only scored 50, they only scored 48 against Georgetown, which is a, which is unbelievable (laughs) to me. (laughs) And they only had 62 against UCAL Santa Barbara, but they, they picked it up a little bit against Ohio with 72. So, I don't know. I guess you're probably right. The best play in this game is probably just to take the Zags. I mean, it, it's funny because if you watch the the Georgetown game against Colorado, you're amazed that they couldn't that, that Creighton couldn't score anything. Oh like, it's just like because all the shooters on Colorado were wide open, like every on the three point line. <laughs> I know Colorado, Colorado, and Colorado yeah, every did. freaking shot. Were they eleven of eighteen? Eleven of eighteen from three? I think it was. Yeah. Um. Okay, next game. This is this is the toughest game for me to pick this weekend. Um, is Florida State Michigan? Yeah, I don't I don't have a good I don't have a good feel really on Florida State, and it's tough for me to fully gauge Michigan without Livers still, even though they looked good last week against LSU, and you know we watched the game together actually. They were banging their shots. They were playing good basketball. Dickinson, they LSU really had nobody for them, but Florida State does have the size. They're basically the tallest team in the country, um, so they have the size to deal with Dickinson. I'm, I'm interested to see how they're gonna do against him. I, th- I still think Dickinson will get his. He's still a good player, but uh, he might get a little frustrated um, with the athletes of Florida State. Uh, Florida State. Coming off uh, a great win against Colorado, you know, disabling that Pac-12 um, uh, movement uh, that's just been unstoppable, beating them 71-53. Uh, 
you know, I actually didn't play so well against UNC Greensboro, only won by 10. It actually was a close game. Uh, Isaiah Miller was missing free throw after free throw <laughs> in that game. Um, they, they actually had a chance down the stretch. So, but they bounced back, played much better against Colorado. Um, Leonard Hamilton, I believe, has only been to the lead eight, never has been to the final four. So he'll be looking to finally get there. And if he gets past Michigan, he'll have a really good shot. Um, Michigan, no, Livers is, I think he's done. I was reading, basically, he said it's going to be a, a miracle if he comes back, um, which kind of sucks. Um, it's like a six-week injury, I think, that yeah. stress fracture. So I don't, just don't think there's going to be enough time for him to return. Um, uh, what's your thoughts on this game, and how do you see it going? You know, the matchups with Dickinson and the Florida Bigs. So I, I actually had picked Colorado against Florida State, so I was I was way off. Um, Florida State put like pretty much had a, a slim margin for most of that game. We were laughing on the TV because it was constantly bringing back to five points. Yeah. The entire the entire oh, yeah, game was played at game, the five right, point right. mark. Um, so it's just like. Yeah, they blew it until out the end. The end. Yeah, when when yeah. they blew it out, I think that. Um, so if you watch the watching the Colorado game more closely, uh, Batty inside and McKinley Wright both got into foul trouble. So I think that that's going to be key for Michigan. So if Mike Smith, because okay. he's he's so small, he's playing against um, Scotty Barnes and like a, a bunch of these bigger bigger guards who are going to control the ball. If he gets in foul trouble early, Michigan's in big trouble. But um. Yeah, I, I just I feel like it's going to all come down to Michigan guards ball pressure because Florida State is they they usually they usually don't respond too well to like handling the ball and ball pressure and I, not usually but like when they have lost it's been because they haven't handled the ball well and the uh, when when teams have pressed them they've turned it over and that's kind of why Georgia Tech with Alvarado has some of the best hands in the country really caused them problems. I think that Michigan's guards are a little bit underrated defensively. And I think that they might be able to create some turnovers. I think it'll be really tough. Also, I would watch to see if Dickinson gets in foul trouble because they're going to be throwing body after body. They got Gray. They got Koprovica, um at him. So we'll see if he, if he can avoid foul trouble. And if, if they do, if, if Dickinson and Mike Smith avoid foul trouble, I think that they can edge this out in a very, very close game. Um, I think it's a lot of it's going to depend on how Florida State handles the ball. And for me, this isn't one of Florida State's best teams. And like he's like Leonard Hamilton's had much better uh, NBA prospect laden teams. Right. Like, I so agree. I, yeah, I, I think Michigan's going to win this, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's really tough with Mike Smith having the size that he has versus Florida State's length. It's really tough. Yeah, and I mean, Dickinson's seven one. So um, with Kopavica, I think he was he's seven foot. So Dickinson's still the tallest guy in this game. Um, Davis off the bench has been pretty solid. Senior, he's also six ten. And then they also throw in Brandon Johns, who's been playing down there too. Junior, he's he's six eight. So uh, I like what they've got out of them. Um, so. You know, if Dickinson does get into a little bit of foul trouble, obviously that's a that's a huge loss for them. But I think these guys can fill in some minutes while Dickinson's hitting the bench. So, um, you know, I like Smith. You know, I wonder about the size. 5'11". Wagner's going to have to step up. You know, 6'9". 
He's got good size. He's going to have to step up, man. Eli Brooks was banging shots. Shorty Brown came in. He was big, banging shots. So they're going to need him to do that again as well. It just really sucks that they don't have livers because this is definitely a team that could win it all. But um, I think I'm starting – you know, you made some good points. And Florida State doesn't really have a true point guard. They're a little bit sloppy. Michigan is definitely a more sound team. Um, You know, and like you said, that five-point game of Colorado, they struggle with UNC Greensboro. We've seen them struggle with some, you know, head scratches in the ACC as well. Uh, I think Michigan's focused. Uh, I think I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Michigan. Interesting enough, this spread Whoa. I think was six and a half, and it dropped down. It dropped yeah. down to two and a half. So people really, people really slammed Florida State, but I think the number is probably where it needs to be at now. Maybe it'll drop a little bit more. Maybe it'll go up. We'll see. Um, but I think that initial spread was probably definitely a little too much, and that's why it was I mean, sharp I think slam that, that, that right away. That spread is I, – I don't – so I, I think it could be close, but I don't think it's going to be that narrow a margin. I think it – like I don't think the score will end up being two points ever like at the end of the game. I think it'll be either like Michigan hits a bunch of threes and stretches out a lead. It's like one of those games where I feel like Michigan's going to either stretch it out late or Florida State will – I, I guess pull ahead at some point. So I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be like either way. I think Florida State either wins or Michigan stretches it. I don't think it'll ever be a final score of two points or even close to that. So that's it. It's, it's really who you think is going to win would be what you go with. Yeah. Be, best. I mean, I, I, I saw Florida State, you know, kill uh, Virginia where they basically made like every three. And interestingly enough, they shoot 39, 39% from three, but Michigan also shoots 38%, basically 39%. They shoot 38.7. Uh, free throw line, Michigan has the advantage, 77 yeah. to 53. Rebounds the same, 37 in the game. Michigan's got the edge on the turnovers. T- Florida State turns it over 14 and a half times a game. Uh, Michigan just 11. Uh, Florida State, 78 points a game. Michigan, 76. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to lean Michigan here. I might end up taking them. I'm definitely going to be rooting for Michigan. Same. Um, we'll see. 143 and a half is, 143 and a half is the uh, under. I mean, I'd, I'd probably take the under on that. I, I think it will be more of a methodical yeah. game. I don't I don't know that it's going to be this fast-paced thing unless – Unless they're trying to pull what Oregon did to Iowa, like right. I don't, I don't see that happening. Like, yeah, I don't see that. And then they did only score sixty four points against UNC <laughs> yeah. Greenboro, so <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how that's going to fare against uh, a better Michigan team. Um, okay, so. Yeah, I think we both agree. We slightly like Michigan a little bit more, but you know, again, another solid, That's one of the toughest. solid game to watch. Most of the games this weekend. Yeah, most of the games. Yeah, that's to me. That's the toughest game to pick, and that's going to be in Bankers Fieldhouse. So looks like just two courts this weekend. Um, Hinkle and Bankers. All right, next game in Hinkle, UCLA Bama, um, UCLA playing game over. Michigan State, then they took care of BYU. Johnny Juzang has been solid. Barnes has been solid. Um, just been hitting all their shots, playing good basketball. 
you know, UCLA, I believe they lost like three potential stars. They lost yeah. Chris Smith, who's a hell of a player. Um, he got hurt, right? So they lost him. Uh, I think they lost two other guys. One guy transferred out or something like that. So, they, they, you know, this is a team that could have been even a lot better. I mean, they lost well, Chris Station Smith, Knicks. who's a really good player. I mean, so Deshaun Nix went to really the. So he's actually it's So I was watching that Mick Cronin podcast the other day, and he he basically they'd signed the guy from the G League, um, right? Elite team, and he he was signed. He okay, was signed right, right. to the team, and then the, he just they, the NBA recruited him away. So it was a big, uh, yeah. It was like supposed to be he's six wow. five. So they thought they were going to put him and Tiger Campbell together as like two point guards on the floor. He can shoot too, so it was like. It's a that was a huge loss wow. for the program. Like they they would have been in top fifteen team all season long with that. Right, and I remember watching Chris Smith last year before the season got He's canceled. Really he was a really really good player. So uh, yeah, so I mean you know Cronin man just props to him because UCLA was kind of falling off the map a little bit. He comes over from Cincinnati. He's got them in the Sweet Sixteen playing against uh, a Bama team that struggled a little bit in their first-round game um, with Iona. Didn't really have a good offensive game, uh, just scoring 68 points, but then absolutely exploded against Maryland, scoring 96, basically making it. I was just watching it. It was just three after three after three after three. And, you know, we've seen that from them this year. I mean, at a conference, they struggled a little bit. Um, and then they went into conference and, you know, they're blowing out LSU by 20 and uh, Florida just killing all these teams. They slowed out. They slowed down a little bit down the stretch, you know, barely beating LSU in the final, but they got the job done. A lot of people like them to go to the final four, possibly win it all, uh, you know, with the way they could shoot it and just light up the scoreboard. Um, UCLA, man, I, I feel like um, – you know, this is obviously going to be a tough game for them. They're they're only a six and a half point dog. Whoa. It's not a huge, huge line, but I just feel like the way, I just feel like the way Juzang's shooting the ball and uh, you know Jules and uh, I don't know. I feel like they could keep it close, and I feel like they I could think bang it's shots. A on what game. Do you I think Bama's going to blow them out of the gym. I think that all they have to do is clue in on like they, I was I was shocked that UCLA's gotten this far because I feel like no team has been able to just guard Juzang like the whole game. Like he's He's constantly like, watching him against Abilene Christian. They left him open like a ton of times. If you just have one guy cool in on him, like, for example, Alabama has one of the best defenders in the country in Herb Jones. Just have him clue in on Juzang. Game's right. over. Like, Campbell wasn't hitting shots. Cody Riley's not doing anything. Like, I, I don't – I think this game is going to be a blowout. Like, and I, and I don't think it means Alabama's that great. I think it's just a bad matchup for UCLA. Because they're going to play against like a team that's they're not they're not really well suited to play against. I feel like Bama is is going to struggle against a team with like really good interior play, and that like that's what we've seen like when they when they messed up and they lost to Western Kentucky early in the year with Charles Bassey. Like that's just a terrible matchup for them because Bassey's an NBA talent and they struggled inside. I think the same, like if they they matched up against Maryland, who has like no size, they play positionless basketball with guys like six foot seven. Um, so that's that was that. And then now they're going against UCLA, who has some size, but they're not. I wouldn't say that's the best part of their team. And Juzang is is going to go against Herb Jones. I think it's a blowout. 
They also Bama also lost mm-hmm. Oklahoma this year, which is the team that that's true. But Oklahoma is so. one of those like you saw how they played um, against Gonzaga. That's exactly how with Reeves, but they had Harmon as well. And that's exactly how they played Alabama in that game. They just were super gritty, super tough. And it was still close. It was like a two yeah. to three point game. So Yeah, I I um I think uh, I'm gonna disagree with you. I mean, I think Alabama probably win, but I I just I don't know. I feel like McCronin, man, tough, gritty team. I really like the way Ju Zhang is playing. Um uh, you know, they're they're making all their shots. Jacquez is also a good player. Campbell solid with the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, if Bama's, you know, if they do what they did against Maryland, they're probably right. Um, they could they could easily blow them out. I just think that UCLA will be able to get buckets. And actually, I think the mo- the thing I might like the most in this game is the over at uh, 145. Yeah, half. I like the over on that. I feel like the thing about UCLA is I feel like they had the easiest schedule to, in the tournament. So far, like you, you see the first round they played like in the playing game, they played against Michigan State, Michigan State, like just doesn't have like it's not even the talent level. It's like some of their players just are not playing up to the level they should be. And you know, part of it's just like for reasons like completely independent of basketball. Like I think Rocket Watts is dealing with some illness that he's been dealing with all season. He's shooting like 30 percent from the floor and he couldn't hit a shot. That's like one of their three main players so Michigan State was really never that good they just kind of mucked up the game like they they always do and that that really kept it close that was the toughest they faced then they played BYU I think BYU is probably the most overrated team in the entire tournament and they just I, I didn't think they I didn't see anything from them and I don't think they they played some teams well early in the season but they're one of those teams where I just didn't see it late besides them giving Gonzaga a game and during in Gonzaga's worst game of the year in the WCC finals. And then the, the third game was against Abilene Christian, where it's a tough matchup for Abilene because these guys all have size and the Tiger Campbell doesn't turn it over. So now they're playing Bama. They're playing a real team. That's really right. just like so deep, so explosive and they can shoot. So I, I think it's going to be a bad, really bad matchup for them. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think uh, yeah, I don't think bad. BYU is so bad, but uh, I guess we'll see how we'll 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 see how it goes here. Like I said, I think maybe the over might be the best play. All right, last game is nine forty five Sunday night, the Pac twelve battle between Oregon, the seven seed, USC, the six in Banker's Life. USC is favored by two. Um, the over/under is one thirty-eight and a half. We saw Oregon. Uh, well, Oregon got the buy against VCU because of the COVID, um, and you know we didn't know what to expect. Were they going to be a little bit cold coming out? You know, how, but they were really rearing to go because they just came out and lit up the scoreboard against Iowa, scoring ninety-five. I mean, if you watch the game, if you missed the game, you should go rewatch that game because Oregon just played unbelievable. Um, offensively, um, you know, Duarte, man, just, it looked like he was an NBA player out there. Uh, Figueroa was banging threes. Will Richardson, I mean, he's fully healthy now. He was awesome, creating night, you know, get, creating separation, banging jumpers. Um, man, honestly, you know, Dana Altman, excellent coach. Um, you know, 
I think this team is really freaking dangerous. And uh, I, I, I honestly, I can see Oregon winning the whole thing um, if they're playing like that. Um, but first, they have to get past a USC team that just totally dismantled Kansas, who I, you know, to me looked kind of out of whack. Uh, but also, like you had stated, you know, I like Kansas coming to the game. You like USC, so you were right. But, um, you know, they just had too much size. Uh, they deed them up. I don't think Kansas played a good game. I think Kansas could play them better if they played again. But USC was just a bad matchup for them. Uh, the Mobley brothers played great. Isaiah Mobley was banging threes. They were getting great contributions from all their role guys, banging threes, playing way above their average. They were, I think they shot 60% from three. Um, these two teams matched up earlier in the year. Um, USC won by 14, I think 72-58. I don't think Will Richardson was fully healthy in that game. I don't know, not even, but I know Isaiah Mobley didn't play in that game. So they match up again. Um, you know, Oregon is playing. To me, they were playing the best basketball in the pack. You know, I watched a lot of Pac-12 this year. Um, to me, they were playing the best coming down the stretch of anybody in the conference. You know, it was just kind of a shock that they lost to Oregon State in that final. But Oregon State was playing for their life and playing for the tournament. So sometimes those things change. Um, but USC, you know, you know, now they're they're co- they've come back. Uh, they you know they they were on a run on their own in the Pac-12. They you know a little bit of struggle, but not too much down the stretch. But you know this is this is a very good matchup. They're going to have to hit shots, USC, uh, because Oregon's going to come at them. Um, you know, but USC has that size. So yeah, this is a. This is, how do you see this game going? Actually, retracting what I said before, I think this is the biggest toss-up game in the entire field right now. I think even more than Michigan State or Michigan, uh, Florida State. I, I feel like uh, I, I give a slight edge to Oregon in this game because I think Duarte is going to outplay Edie. But it's really tough to say because it's, it's if Mobley rim protects like he has been. It's going to be tough for even Duarte to get some shots off. And, I mean, the Mobley brothers are, are mobile. So, unlike Iowa, who gar- have Garza, like, lugging it up the floor, where they just changed the pace of the game and they really got out in transition, they can't use that strategy as, as well against USC. I think the key for me is that I just feel like I don't think USC is going to shoot that well against Oregon. I think that that was kind of like a little bit of a – a fluke. I think that I don't think Isaiah Moe is going to hit three threes. Um, and, right. and some of the role players are just like a lot of the role players were hit, hitting a, a bunch of shots late in the game. I just think Oregon has more firepower offensively overall, especially from three. It's the key is going to be Amaruri versus um, versus one of the Mobley brothers. I just if Evan dominates inside, then USC is going to going to win the game. It's just. A question of like Evan offensively hasn't really really been that aggressive, so we'll, we'll kind of see how he does against Amaruri, who's a who's a really good athlete. He's a little bit a bit smaller though. Right, and the other thing for USC is they're not really great from the free throw line, sixty four percent. So that could come back to bite them late in the game for sure. Um, Three-point percent is not too bad, 34%. Rebounds, 39. Uh, turnovers, 12 points per game, 74. The rebounds, 39 compared to Oregon's 33. 
Um, so Oregon's definitely going to have to crash the boards there. 70% from the free throw line for Oregon and 38% from three. Uh, average 74 per game and uh, 11.4 turnovers. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Oregon will just bring in a bunch of different guys. I know they got a couple big guys, too. I'm not sure how great defensively they are. Uh, they don't play a ton of minutes either. But uh, I just, man, the way the way they've been shooting the ball and playing offensively, um, you know, if they can get out like they did against Iowa, uh, you know, stay away from the half court, you know, you know, prevent Mobley from, you know, getting set, stuff like that. And they're banging outside shots. And the way Richardson was just banging, you know, jumpers, um, you know, I, I, I just like Oregon. I, I mean, I like they're getting two. Um, I'll take that all day, man. I just – I don't know. I mean, USC could definitely win. They already beat them once. Oregon just seems like they're on a mission. You know, they, they had a bad taste from losing the Pac-12 tournament. Um, they, they were a great team last year. They arguably, you know, could have went to the Final Four last year with Pritchard. So they were hungry last year. They got the best coach uh, in the Pac-12, uh, in Altman probably. Um, so, you know, this is a revenge game for them. I think they're a little bit hungrier. Like you said, Mobley is definitely a great player. I just wish I saw a little more fire out of him for sure. Um, and that's something, you know, I, I kind of sense that. He's not like a – it seems like he plays with too much fire. Would like to see a little bit stro- more of that, and maybe we'll see that in this game. We'll see. Um, but sometimes, you know, the players who are, who are you know, they, they are who they are, right? So, uh, yeah, like Oregon with the two, I feel pretty good about that. Um, just like I feel – Probably this game and the Syracuse game, I feel the strongest about. Uh, One thirty-seven and a half is the total. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you on uh, Oregon. You think I think I, I I'm not super um, confident in the game because I feel like stylistically, I think USC is a, a bad matchup for them, especially if Mo, uh, both Mobley brothers are there. And like, I just mm. I feel like stylistically, it's just bad. I I don't know that USC is going to shoot as well as they did previously, and I don't think Oregon's going to use the runout strategy like they did against Iowa. So I think we're really going to see kind of more of a half court game. So maybe I'll take the I take the under, um, in terms of on the points, but I, I think that I think I agree with you. I think Oregon's going to win this game. Don't you think it would be smart to, yeah. to use the runout strategy? I, I, in this I think Mobley is like a lot oh, no. faster than anyone Iowa has. I think he can block shots out in transition just as well as as anyone. So it, it would be kind of scary. I mean, that's what you're testing <laughs> because that's what the NBA likes yeah. in him is that he's super like he runs the floor and he he's he's super aggressive and and mobile. So I think that the NBA is basically banking on him being that. Uh, super mobile, super speedy big man who's going to run down the floor and block these shots. So, I mean, it didn't, it didn't seem like that, like when you're watching him sometimes, but if, if a team pushes the pace like Oregon did against Iowa, I think that he, he'll come in and get some like chase down blocks. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll probably just stay away from yeah, I'm it going and uh, just roll Oregon. Um, all right, so sounds like we have Gonzaga, Oregon in the Elite Eight. Um, sounds like we have Michigan uh, versus Bama. Even though I like UCLA with the points, I think we both mm-hmm. agree that Bama will most likely win the game. Um, sounds like we both yeah. have Baylor and Arkansas. And, and then we split on and Houston, we both have Syracuse Loyola, here. And I don't – 
Yeah, we split on that. <clears throat> you liked Houston. I like Syracuse. Right, right. Okay. Looking forward to that. Um, I mean, I'm going to stick with my original Final Four, Final Four just because – I'm brewing for it. <laughs> uh, it's really kind of a crapshoot just with the way everyone's playing right now. I think that Florida State-Michigan game is going to determine a lot, but I, I think I'm pretty confident Gonzaga is going to make the Final Four this year. Uh, not as confident about Michigan, but I, I think Michigan would beat Alabama right. if they matched up. I just think it's going to be harder to get past Florida State. Um, what else? I think that uh, Baylor – I. Yeah. yeah, Dick Dick Dickinson. Honestly, Baylor is one of the Baylor has one of the toughest matchups. If they if they manage to beat Villanova, who's playing out of their mind right now, Arkansas is a real tough matchup for them, just based on size and athleticism of Arkansas. And if they're playing loose, like that might give Baylor some problems. Like I, I can I can see that happening. Um, so I, I think the Arkansas Baylor is some, uh, like a matchup to watch out for. That's the that's the one I'm most concerned about if the, if they play each other, because um, I, I have Baylor winning the whole thing in my bracket. So I'm I'm going to pick Baylor for the Final Four, but I think Baylor Arkansas is going to be one of the best matchups of the entire tournament. And then uh, Final Four, the last spot, I would say I'm leaning towards Houston beating Loyola in a style contrast. But if Loyola plays Syracuse, I think they'll be able to to D up Buddy Beheim, And then I think once they shut down Gerard and Beheim, I think it's, it's pretty much all, all lights out for Syracuse. So if you, if you like the, so depending on who gets, gets through this next round, I think Houston would beat Loyola. I think that Syracuse would lose to Loyola. So it's either for me, it's either Loyola or Houston in the final four. How, how I think do you they'll think be Loyola fine. would do they, against they're, that? They're two, super methodical zone. and they pass super well. I think you get they have Crutwig at the, at the free throw line, where I mean that's like the the key to defeating any two three zone. I think he's doing that already in every game. It's already at the free throw line, dishing it to cutters. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's or a the, bad or the three point Syracuse. line. Yeah. Um. Oregon Gonzaga would be an awesome game, and the total in that game might be like that would be a really underrated game. I think. It, I mean, it it all depends if Oregon if Oregon plays like they did oh, against man. Iowa. They that would be a hell take, of a game. I mean, it, that that Iowa Oregon game reminded me of how Gonzaga played Oregon early in the year, so it was it was, it was really interesting. Yeah, very. They they ran it out right. just like Gonzaga did. Similar. So. <laughs> I mean, every time I watch he's, the war he's, he's an NBA like player. I mean, better, he so might at this point he's like he's he's um, hitting on the first round. I think um, the most people have him early second. I think he's a first round pick just because he's older. Yeah, I like. I think that. he's like I think he's twenty four, which is pretty advanced age for a draft pick. But yeah, he's he's something special right now. All right, man. Yeah. So, like I said, Monday and Tuesday, we'll have the Elite Eight, and then we'll have the Final Four next Saturday, and then we'll finish it up all on Monday. Um, we'll try to get one more show uh, before the Final Four, and we'll pick our champion and whatnot, and we'll see. And we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll close out the 2021 NCAA season. I mean, we're watching a ton, a ton of basketball. It felt good to have a little bit of a break. I mean, me too. Me, I felt the same week, way. To tell you the truth, before, man. before we, we yeah. go, is, is there any line on the D2 final? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
I don't know. Um, um uh, it, it's I, on I, a honestly, honestly, so that game's. On I don't a, know. I'm not sure. It probably is. I haven't looked at it. Um, on Saturday is that before, game? before the games, and I'm definitely picking Northwest Missouri okay. State. I think people are gonna. A couple people are gonna watch that game. People have been tweeting about it a little bit. Uh, this guy Hudgens is, is is a monster. He's probably the best player in D2. And he's going against a team that's like almost all six footers, but these guys are all explosive. It's it's kind of a weird matchup, but. Uh, this guy, this guy Hodgins, is he a guy that's going to transfer next year? He's a junior. He's one of the best shooters in the country regardless of level. He's shooting over 50% from three. And he's like six feet tall. He, they, they scrimmaged against Duke, actually, wow. uh, I think it was a couple years ago. And they, they gave them a game. It was like a seven-point game in the scrimmage uh, against this team. This team, he's lost like maybe, I think, three games his entire career with this team. They had one un, like undefeated season. Another one loss season. So this this guy's like legit. He's like probably like he's gonna play in an NBA camp at some point. Guys shoots lights out. And I mean he had he had this game I've watched. It was one of the best games I've seen like in this entire tournament thing. They were playing this team at home. It was like they're playing this team in Minnesota. It's a team Northern State. Playing them in Minnesota and it's, they had this big man who just the team that he plays for has no one above six seven. This big man was destroying them in the post the entire game, and he fouled out. The second he fouls out, this guy, this guy Hudgens goes for like six or seven, like eight points down the stretch, and just ties the game in like a miraculous comeback. It was like ten points with like two minutes to go. This guy, it was just. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I was like, "What's happening? How is he doing this?" So I, I, I didn't know what was going on. But that was the best game. And ever since then, they, they beat wow. the first team in the first round by forty points. Then they be, they've been beating the last two teams by twenty. This team's just ridiculous. So they, I mean, they. I'll, yeah, I'll, no, I'll have to. I'll have to check that out. See if there's a line on that. Uh, yeah. Northwestern State Hodgins. You, you heard it here first. Uh, Jordan yep, at JTM exactly. basketball on Twitter, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's it. And then, uh, you know, like I said, we'll try to get one more show before the final four, either Thursday or Friday night. We'll wrap it up and then we'll get into football. We'll do some NFL draft stuff and then we'll, you know, take a break a little bit over the summer. We'll, we'll gear back in uh, July uh august in time we'll start getting ready for football so everybody thanks for listening that is it fantasy savvy on twitter jtm basketball on twitter for jordan thanks for listening have a great night uh great day tomorrow and great weekend and enjoy the
Thank you.